Gracious Lord, for the gift of your Spirit, who brings your word alive in our hearts and minds, we give you thanks and ask for your blessing today. Amen. Twenty-two years ago, the first book in the Harry Potter series came out. And that means that some of you do not know a world without Harry Potter. <laughs> the series has been translated into 68 languages. 400 million copies have been sold. J.K. Rowling is a good storyteller, and she has created an alternate reality which is for many people, deeply appealing. I do wonder, though, if part of the attraction of her books is that she's actually tapped into a powerful human desire. The desire that with a wave of our magic wands, or with just the right phrase or word, we might be able to change anything. There's a child's version of this alternate reality, a magic world where we're able to turn the schoolyard bully into a toad, or where we're able to have ice cream as we want, when we want. There is, of course, though, also an adult version, which usually involves something along the lines of healing those who are sick, freeing those who are captive in all kinds of ways, or bringing hope to the poor. Our gospel passage. If you had faith, like a mustard seed, the tiniest of seeds, you could say to this tree, be torn up by the roots and be transplanted in the sea, and it would obey you. Or in Matthew's version of the gospel, you could say to this mountain or maybe to this skyscraper, move, and it would move. Nothing will be impossible for you. The idea of being able to change things by the right incantation or by simply calling on the power of God is deeply appealing. Now from experience we know that that's not quite how it works. And yet, don't we find ourselves wondering sometimes, wishing, maybe wondering if we had a little bit more faith we could make a difference? Do you have that kind of faith? What exactly is that kind of faith? And here I think we get to a little confusion because we often conflate a cultural notion of faith with a more biblical understanding. Culturally, with enough confidence, focus, conviction, and sheer grit, you and I can change the world if we really believe. Or if we just say the right words, pray in the right way, with enough conviction, it will happen. Haven't you wondered that? Maybe not when you're grown up, but we wonder that. With the evocative image of uprooted trees and shifting mountains, we miss that tiny little seed that Jesus began with. This isn't about the amount of faith or self-confidence that we have. Faith, at least the Christian faith, is not about a capacity that we possess or something 
that we can do that nobody else can. It's not about our ability to change the world. In fact, it's not so much about my faith or your faith as the faith and our entry into it. The focus of faith is not on us and what we can accomplish. It's on the one who our faith is in, Jesus. If we were to flip back and read a little bit ahead of our passage today, in the previous chapter, Jesus tells two very strange parables. Parables which usually leave a preacher struggling with what to say. The parable of the dishonest manager. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And in both parables, it appears as though Jesus is deliberately trying to provoke his listeners. And he's trying to provoke his listeners because they're putting their confidence in the wrong things. They put their faith or their trust in being Abraham's descendants rather than in God. And they've not been faithful with what God has entrusted to them. As a result of their misplaced faith, they can't see what's right in front of them. They can't see Jesus. They can't see Jesus. And they don't recognize that Jesus has ushered in a new world an alternate reality, the kingdom of God that does all those things. It heals the sick. It liberates the captives. It cares for the poor. So Jesus' evocative image of the mustard seed and uprooted trees needs to be understood in the context of the verses that come right before it. His disciples, as Logan began with the reading, say to Jesus, increase our faith. But they're asking for more faith because Jesus has just told them that they should forgive over and over and over again. If your brother sins against you seven times in the day, in the day, and turns to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive him. Now, the disciples have already sacrificed a lot to follow Jesus. They have definitely stepped out in faith. But there are limits, aren't there? Their request that Jesus increase their faith, I think, sounds a little bit like a polite way of saying, keep forgiving over and over again. Are you crazy? Why would we do that? What normal human being can do that or should keep forgiving someone when they do sin against them over and over again. I can just imagine my daughter's response. If I said this to them as they're in the middle of an argument, keep forgiving, doesn't go over so well. It's not surprising that Jesus' followers protest. But Jesus doesn't comfort them by saying what we would say. I know it's hard, but give it your best shot. No, he says this. If you had the tiniest amount of faith, you would do this. If you had the tiniest amount of faith, you would do this. It's pretty clear that this is not about quantities of faith, or in a sense, even about the qualities of faith. Now, Jesus is not suggesting that forgiveness is easy, and who would know that better than Jesus? Now, Jesus is trying to help his followers understand or to make sense 
that faith will enable them to see and to know and to understand Him. Faith is not so much about a possession, but about a disposition. It's not about special powers that we've received that enable you and I to do the impossible. It's a new orientation. It's a new relocation. It's an entry into this new world, the kingdom that Jesus has ushered in. And it's about changing the way that we see things because Jesus has opened our hearts and our minds to see him and ourselves and the world in new ways. And that means that first and foremost, faith changes us by setting us free to live in different ways. And that takes us to obedience. One of the primary marks of faith in Jesus is obedience. Faith leads to faithful behavior because we are able to see, understand, and respond to the things that Jesus asks of us. After clearly saying that faith makes it possible for us to forgive others, Jesus goes on to speak about servants and how servants behave in relationship to their masters. Isn't this one confusing passage? Jesus asks this. When a servant comes in from the field, after a hard day's work, does he sit down and expect the master to wait on him? Of course not. Or does a servant expect a master to praise him for doing what he's been told to do? Of course not. A servant does what a servant is supposed to do. They obey the master, whatever the master tells them to do. And they certainly do not expect thanks for what they've done. We are, Jesus says, the response, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Now, I think you and I need a little bit of help on this passage before we gloss over it or quickly jump back to that image of mountains and trees being moved. It is simply not acceptable in our culture to treat anyone the way that Jesus speaks about servants being treated, let alone to own servants or slaves in the first place. But you know, I think what actually cuts a little bit deeper is the idea of obedience that Jesus is talking about, which is totally unpalatable to us. Can you imagine saying this? How often do you say this? I'm just an unworthy Christian who's done what I'm supposed to do. But that's what Jesus has just said to his followers. Jesus is certainly not affirming the practice of slavery, but he's doing taking an example or an analogy from the culture that everybody would get. Slavery was commonplace. Everybody knew what a slave was and what a slave was supposed to do. The idea of a slave coming home after a hard day's work, sitting back on the couch with their feet up, waiting for their master to bring them a gin and tonic, just not going to happen. Jesus is suggesting that just as it is absolutely normal for a slave to do what the master has asked them to do, so it is absolutely normal for a follower of Jesus to do what Jesus has asked them to do, has asked you to do. Not because Jesus treats his followers like slaves, 
but because being a follower of Jesus means to follow Jesus. Perhaps we might turn this around to ask, why would anyone not do what God wanted them to do? Why would anyone not do what God wanted them to do? And of course, the answer to that question is, let me count the ways. There are countless reasons why we do not do what God wants us to do, but they all boil down to one central reason, which has to do with faith. When we live by faith, when we live in the faith, the most natural thing in the world is to trust God that he, what He wants us to do, what He asks us to do, is the right thing to do. And not the right thing to do in the sense of being morally correct, but right in the sense that it is the only thing that makes sense. That is what faith is. The obedience that Jesus asks of us can only be rooted and grow in a sense of confidence in who He is, what He has done, what He is doing in the world. In Luke chapter 7, when John the Baptist from prison sends messengers to ask if Jesus is the one, Jesus responds, Tell him, the blind receive their sight, the dead are raised up, the poor have received good news. The kingdom of God has come into the world, and it's there for everyone to see by faith. The more clearly we see Jesus and understand who he is and what he has done in the world and is doing, the more you and I actually have the confidence and the courage to live in the ways that he calls us to live. And the more closely we follow him, the more clearly we see and understand and know him. This reminds me of the song that we used to sing as children in Sunday school, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. The danger, of course, is that we might think that this means if we trust and obey, Jesus will make us happy. But in fact, it's the exact opposite. Trust and obedience opens us up to enjoy, to delight, and to live more fully into the goodness that Jesus has already freely given to us. Jesus wants his followers to understand, in fact, he wants you and I to understand, that faith in him, the faith, changes us at our core because it enables us to see the way things really are. Living by faith for a Christian is never like Harry Potter waving a magic wand or cultivating more self-confidence or trying to drum up more inner conviction. Faith is about Jesus. It's about seeing him more clearly, understanding him more deeply, and living more deeply into the faith which enables us to see and to know that obeying Jesus is the only thing that makes sense. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.